John chapter 15. Well, I'm sure you've noticed that the commercials and, uh, of course, mailers or whatever, way of advertisement on, uh, on your phone, whatever, you've been receiving these uh, notices that you need to buy something, maybe some strawberries or some flowers or some pajamas or, or teddy bear or something, because you need to treat the one you love uh, this week, you know, it's uh, Valentine's Day, and it's a time where we express love to someone else that we care about. But you know, in our world, there's very little good understanding of the word love. We say, I love uh, pie, and we love our wife. I hope you love your wife more than you love pie. All right, we love cheesecake, and I love my wife, or you know, you love peanut butter and you love your wife. Well, you love Reese's Cups and you love your wife. Well, really, there's really, I trust, no comparison with a Reese's Cup and your wife or your husband or, uh, you know, in other words, the word love in, in the uh, Greek uh, from the Bible is agape. It is a God kind of love. It is a love of God. And uh, the love of God is described and defined for us, and we'll not take the time to study it this morning, but uh, perhaps tonight, but uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 8, uh, there is a description of the word love, the God kind of love. And also, you can read it in different translations. I would encourage people to uh, read it in the Amplified Bible, many other good translations as well. But the Amplified uh, Bible uh, does what it says. It actually amplifies, and it gives you more words to describe this kind of God love. And uh, God's love is, according to Scripture, is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Shed abroad simply means it's poured forth into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Well, God expressed His love, according to Romans chapter 5, God commends His love, or other translations say God proved His love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So the proof of God's love is His action. So love is not just in word, but in, according to 1 John, in deed and in truth. So love must be expressed in action. And so the love of God is in our hearts based on the scripture. God has proven his love by sending his son. So God's love was expressed in the person of his son. He expresses love by will, being willing to give his son and his life for us so that we could have eternal life. Jesus loved us in such a degree and a measure that he was willing to lay down his life and he was willing to pay the ultimate sacrifice for our uh, being able to receive the gift of eternal life. So we have proof that God loves us and uh, if you ever question God's love for you, just read the Bible about what Jesus did for you and how Jesus gave his life for you. And read it and meditate on it, and I believe that'll drive that fear out of your life that God doesn't love you for some reason or another because you were just such a bad person. He loves everybody in the world but you. 
Well, that is an unreality. God loves every human being in the world. Amen. That has ever lived or ever will live because God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. So when we believe on Jesus, we receive this everlasting or eternal life described by everlasting and eternal. It is God's life. The word life in the Greek is zoe. It is life as God has it. So when you get born again, you are literally born of God. And when you're born of God, you're born of love because God is love and he uh, that is born of God, the person that is born of God is born of love. So when you're born again, you are born of love or you have God's kind of love on the inside of you. Or we could say, according to 1 Peter, that you are a partaker of God's divine nature. So God's life, God's love, God's nature has been put on the inside of you. That is a spiritual reality. And so you're born of God, you're born of love, you have God's love nature on the inside of you. The love of God is shed abroad in your heart and poured forth in your heart by the Holy Spirit. So you have this kind of love on the inside of you, which means you can love one another. Which brings us to the scripture we're going to reference this morning, beginning at John chapter 15 and verse 12. In John 15, 12, it says, This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. <clears throat> now, that is a pretty amazing thing that Jesus would say, This is my commandment, that you would love one another as I have loved you. And the reason I gave you a little background here is that if Jesus said that you are to love one another as he loved us, I'm sure that many times we would have a question mark in our minds like, how can I do that? Or is that even possible? That I could love uh, others or love one another even as Jesus has loved me. Well, Jesus loved you to the extreme of giving his life, laying down his life. Greater love is no man than this, that he would lay down his life for his friends. Lay down his life. Give his life. So Jesus was willing to give his life, give the ultimate sacrifice, give his own life for us to have the gift of eternal life. So you're born of God as a result of believing on that reality, believing on Jesus Christ, and you've received this life of God, this love of God on the inside of you. So this is my commandment that you love one another. This is not Jesus' suggestion. This is not like you get exemptions. You know, we're in the tax season, and so we all would like a few exemptions so that we would be exempt from paying more tax. So you take your exemptions in hopes that you do not pay more than you want to pay, right? Or have to pay, we'll say. Okay, so you take your exemption. So some Christians, they think, well, no, I'm exempt because. In other words, I'm exempt because they didn't treat me right. I am exempt from that or, you know, I will opt out of that program because you know, actually, uh, they were very cruel to me. And if you're in this world, you've had some people that didn't treat you right. Right? There were some people that were cruel to you. Somebody uh, did not treat you right or they uh, were abusive to you in some way. And so here you are in this world and you have this life experience. And yet Jesus said, 
without exception, Jesus said very clearly, uh, this is my commandment, that you love one another. And he says further, as I've loved you. In the way that I've loved you, that you are to love one another. Jesus also said that you are to love your enemies. Wow, Jesus, come on. That's an extreme view, don't you think, Jesus? Well, yes, it's extreme to this world mind. It's extreme to the view of most human beings because most people are thinking, well, if they treated me wrong, I'm going to treat them wrong. If they did me wrong, I'm going to do them wrong. I'm going to get them back. But the Scripture says, wrath belongs to me, saith the Lord. In other words, uh, you let God take care of that, and you just walk in the love of God and choose to love in spite of what people do or don't do, what, how they act or don't act towards you. You just choose the love of God because love is something that will be challenged every day in some way or another. I can see that I've got a quiet crowd this morning. And so there's this holy hush that has come over the congregation. No, it is, an, it is an indication that you are listening. All right, so Holy Spirit wants us to walk in love and obey the commandment without exemption, like uh, I'm opting out, you know, or, uh, you know, I, I don't have to do that. No, you don't have to. That's true. Anyone can choose not to. But anyone can choose to. Because love is a choice. It is an act that you choose to act on. It's something you choose to do. It is a choice that you're faced with throughout your life, throughout your day, throughout your week, throughout your month, throughout your year, and throughout your life. That is a human experience reality. You can choose to love or you could choose not to love. But if you've chosen Jesus, I would urge you to choose to walk in love. Choose to obey this commandment. It is not a suggestion, but rather it is a command. And it is an important command. He emphasizes it again in verse 17 of the same chapter. These things I command you that you love one another. Love one another, again, as I have loved you or in the same way that I have loved you. So Jesus loved us, and he gave himself for us. So love is a giving, isn't it? It's something you do in the way of giving. You give yourself. Maybe you're not giving your life. Maybe you're not laying down your life, but you're giving yourself, which is an indication that you're laying down perhaps something of your life, your own wishes, your own desires, your own wants, right? And you're choosing to love them even though your wants or desires are not necessarily being fulfilled. If you love your enemies, right, your want to naturally, your flesh <laughs> wants to, uh, rather than bless them, you want to curse them or you want to do wrong to them because they did wrong to you. That's called the flesh. All right? Then also... Uh, you have this opportunity to choose not to let your flesh dominate you in those cases. You have an opportunity to resist the flesh. Paul said, I keep my body under. What does that mean? I don't let my flesh rule me. I don't let my body tell me what to do because there are times in your life if somebody mistreats you or did you wrong, there are times in your life that in your flesh you want, your flesh rises up and anger is the result, isn't it? 
And so you want to get back at them in some way. But God says, this is my commandment. Without exception. No opting out. No exemptions. No choosing. Well, you know, it's not really necessary. Jesus doesn't really mean that in my case because, you know, they did me wrong. No, he also said, as I said, Love your enemy. So uh, then we don't get this exemption. We don't get this, okay, opt-out program here. No, we get to do what Jesus said do. Now, when you do what Jesus said do, it will absolutely free you. Now, the people that mistreat you or wrong you or do uh, uh, things against you are no longer controlling you. They don't control your reaction. They don't control your behavior. They don't control your attitude. They don't control your life. And the devil is about control. If you don't know it, he is a control freak. He is really into controlling people's flesh, their minds, their bodies, their life, their whole life. He'd like to control everything about your life, and he came to steal, kill, and to destroy. So he is a control freak, and if people are control freaks around you, I can tell you it's something to do with the flesh. It's not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit leads, guides, directs, corrects, instructs. But he doesn't control you. God doesn't control human beings. If he did, he would have controlled Adam. He'd have jerked the slack out of him when he even looked at the tree. I will slap you to no end. You know, think about it. And when Eve, Eve, Eve even had a thought about eating of the tree, he just said, woman, what is wrong with you? No. But God didn't do that, did he? No, he let them make a choice because he gives every human being a choice and choices throughout their life. What are they going to do with their certain situation, their temptation when the devil comes your way or somebody comes that is used by the devil or, or yielding to the flesh or yielding to the world and yielding to the spirit of this world and they say something or do something toward you that is not very pleasing uh, to say the least. It is hurtful. What is your response to them? Well, the Holy Spirit is on the inside of you, and the Holy Spirit can help you to make the right choice. Now, Adam and Eve could have made the right choice, but obviously made the wrong choice, and we've all been paying the price since, right? All of humanity has paid an awful price, and Jesus paid the price for our redemption because of Adam's choice that was the worst choice he could have ever made. And yet, we are all faced with choices every day of our life. What are we going to do with our opportunities? Instead of seeing them as a situation that is impossible to deal with, we need to see it as just an opportunity to walk in love and the love of God to be shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit and poured forth out of our mouth, out of our words, out of our attitude, out of our action, and our deeds then are expressing Jesus, and they see Jesus in us, and they just can't hardly deal with that. I mean, they see Jesus. I mean, in reality, you know, we talk about Jesus and we believe in Jesus. But, you know, people in this world, they want to see the real Jesus. They want to see the real Jesus enacted in our life. They want to see Jesus expressed in our words and our attitude and our action and the way we behave. So it's quite surprising sometimes to the world when they see you respond with the love of God when they don't know where that came from. But it's real it is powerful, 
Years ago, the Holy Spirit said it to me this way. He said, love is a pulling power that pulls people out of darkness into light. So when you walk in the love of God, even people in this world, they really are confronted with Jesus. I said they are confronted with the real Jesus because they see Jesus in your life. Now, let's go, if you will, to Matthew chapter 22. In Matthew chapter 22, we're going to begin with verse uh, 35. Love is the key to your success in all relationships. Now, in Matthew chapter 22 and verse 35, Matthew 22 verse 35, says, then one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him and saying, Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? Now, generally, when people would ask Jesus a question, if you study the, uh, the Gospels, you see that most of the time they're trying to catch him in his words, aren't they? They're trying to manipulate the situation, the circumstance. And here this lawyer says, uh, testing him. So this is a test. How many believe Jesus can pass a test? As always, he did. And so, testing him, saying, Teacher, which is a great commandment in the law? And Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And then if you go to the book of Mark, another uh, time that he quotes this and says this, he says, and with all your strength. Now, to me, that really encompasses all of your being, doesn't it? You know, so yesterday when I was praying about this and praying about what to preach, you know, uh, this verse just kept coming up in my heart, that you're to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. So that covers every part of your being. All your heart is a part of you that's born again. The part of you that has God's love. The part of you that has been changed in nature. Your nature has been changed spiritually. You have received the nature of God, the love of God, and you've been born of God. So you have God's love on the inside of you. That is a fruit then of the recreated born again spirit that you can exercise and you can be a blessing to others in your life. So, he says, that's the part of you that should love God with all your heart. Then he says, with all your soul and your mind. Your soul has to do with your your mind, your will, and your emotions. So, God wants you to love the Lord with all your soul, all of your mind, all of your will, all of your emotions. I mean, uh, some people say, well, I I love God, but I don't need to get emotional. Well, if somebody died for you and gave their life for you, it does affect your emotions. But he said we're loving with our heart, our soul, our mind, our will, our emotions. And we all have in our lives like a garden in our soul, if you will. In other words, uh, you've got to weed your garden. Uh, if you don't weed your garden, the, the weeds will grow up and they'll just uh, really starve uh, the, the plants that you've planted from the nutrients in the soil. And so the weeds are robbing from the soil and then the plants don't get the nutrients that they need. And if you just let the weeds go, they're going to take over and you're going to have an unproductive garden. 
Isn't that right? So if you just let the seeds of this world, and we have all kinds of uh, ways that in our world today, we have all kinds of ways that the seeds of uh, anger and bitterness and doubt and, and things can come to our minds, you know, through social media, and people just spew out their words, and, and they put it out there on social media, and you're reading it, and then you're getting upset. And if you hadn't read it, it wouldn't have affected you at all. Right? And so you have the news media. You have all different persuasions in the news. You have all kinds of social media expressions. You have people that verbalize their opinions on your job and in your sphere of influence in your life. And people are expressing themselves. And many times, it's not the love of God. It has nothing to do with the love of God. It's just foreign to the love of God because it's anger. It's bitter and it's upset. And, and then they not only spew out words, but words. Words create emotion and cause you to I mean, either resist it or receive it. And if it's not of God and it's not true, then it's like a seed in your mind. Even though it might not be true, it's a seed in your thoughts. It's a doubt in your head. And then what are you going to do with it? And how are you going to respond to that situation, that words, that message, or whatever it may be, or somebody's behavior towards you? And, and so it's like a seed. What are you going to do with that? Are you going to weed your garden? Are you going to pull? that weed out or are you going to just let it grow and take over and then after a while your garden becomes unfruitful the scripture says in James receive with meekness humility the engrafted or the implanted word which is able to save your soul in other words, the Word of God, when you have opportunities to, to be angry and upset and, and jealous or whatever uh, emotion that you're, negative emotion that you're experiencing, and, and it may be on an unfounded thing. It may not have any real truth in it whatsoever, but you bought into it because you received it, and that seed is in your mind, and it starts growing a weed in your head. And so it's choking the life out of you. It's sucking on the spiritual nutrients of your life. And it's robbing you of peace and of joy and of rest in your soul. And what you have to do is go in with the Word of God and receive with meekness the engrafted and planted Word and start weeding your soul, weeding your garden so that your life can be fruitful and productive rather than being angry and upset all the time. I'm living in peace. I remember an older preacher in my, in my relationships, you know, uh, he used to say, uh, you di you're disturbing my peace. In other words, if you uh, come in with something that he didn't want to hear about, he said, you're disturbing my peace. He was real laid back kind of personality, real laid back uh, person. And so he said, you're disturbing my peace. In other words, I don't want to hear that right now. Don't bring that news to me right now. Don't, I, I don't want to think about that. I want to rest in God and maintain my peace. And, and sometimes you got to shut things off so it doesn't disturb your peace. It doesn't rob you of your joy. It doesn't rob you of your spiritual uh, strength in Christ. Hallelujah. Are you with me? So he said, now, Matthew, the guy's asking, what's the great commandment? Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, 
with all your mind and with all your strength. So that would encompass all your person, your spirit, your soul, your body. So now your attitude gets in line. You get the weeds out. Now, you know you can't just weed your garden one time. And the same is true about your mind. You can't just weed out those things or get those weeds out one time. you got to do it regularly. It's like an ongoing process. Because there's always some seeds of this world that try to get in your mind and thoughts. And, and, and so you got to be quick. Quick to get that seed out so it doesn't grow any root. If you let it grow, you know it's harder to get out of your head, isn't it? Just like in your garden, if you let the weeds grow for a while, it's harder to get them out. I was doing some cleanup in, on my property not too long ago, and there was one, one of those big weeds that had grown up, and, and you know, it had like really grown up. All right, so it was in an area that not as cared for on our property, and so I'm cleaning up and getting some old trees out of there, and man, you grab that, oh, it ain't coming up. You're going to get a tractor or you're going to get a big, uh, you know, a hoe or something. You're going to have to dig to get that root out. Well, we don't want to have to, we don't want to wait until you can't just pull that thing up easily. We need the moisture of the Holy Spirit. Uh, come on, when you got a moist ground, it's easier to get the weeds out. If you've got the Word of God planted in there, then it helps you to get those weeds out of your mind so that your mind is not uh, all messed up with anger and bitterness and unforgiveness and, and hatred. And I'm preaching better than you. Amen. And come on. Are, are you with me? So the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts. And when we meditate on the word, it has the power to save our souls. It has the power. I mean, there's power in the word of God to save your soul. There's power in the word of God to renew your mind. There's power in the word of God to set you free. The word of God has the power to do that in your life. And the love of God is a greater power than hatred and bitterness and anger, resentment and jealousy and all the other negative emotions. The Word of God has a greater power. Are you with me? Has a greater power. The Word of God is powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, joints of marriage, discerning the thoughts and the intents of the heart, has the power to root out, pull down, pluck up, destroy any stronghold that wants to plant itself in your mind. It has the power to save your soul. All right, so he says this word will do something that you can't do on your own. Now, let's go to the next verse, verse 38. Now, I'm going to just work on this strength thing again before I go there. So, he says, with all your strength. Well, that would likely be to your body, you're right, your body, assigned to your body, your strength. All right, so, Paul said it this way, I keep my body under when anger comes, your body is affected, isn't it? It affects your body. It affects your emotions. And that was triggered by something somebody did or didn't do that you expected them to do. And so, what are you going to do with it? Well, you have the power to control your body, your flesh. You have the power to control your thoughts, 
Because you were weeding them out, right? With the word. Not in your own flesh can you do this, but in the grace of God and through the word of God, you can do this. And so the Holy Spirit helps you to control your flesh or control your attitude, control your emotions, gain control rather than letting it get you out of control. Right? So here he says, verse 38 now, this is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. This is the first and great commandment. But then the second one is like the first one. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now, I'm supposed to love as Jesus does. He says that. Love one another as I have loved you in the same way Jesus has loved us. And now he says, you got to top that off with, now I want you to love your neighbor as yourself. That's pretty powerful, isn't it? So if you're loving yourself, then you're to love your neighbor as yourself. There is an issue there because not everybody loves themselves. Right? Not everybody really loves themselves. They might think they do, but love, we're talking about God kind of love. Selfishness is not loving yourself. People might think it is, but it's not really. Because if you're selfish and you're uh, so caught up with yourself and everything has to be about me, uh, then it's really not the love of God. Because the love of God is always loving others as well as yourself. And so here he says that you're to love your neighbor. Now, who's your neighbor? You say, well, I mean, you could talk about the story. You're loving your neighbor. You know, the man that was on the side of the road. and Right? The religious people, they just walk. Ah, let's go on the other side to avoid, right? All right. They went on the other side of the road. And so then you have this good Samaritan that he comes and takes care of him. He was found bleeding. He was dying. He was, you know, if he was left to himself, he's probably not going to make it. The good Samaritan, he goes over there and takes care of him, takes him to the inn, heals his wounds. And says, I've got to go on a journey. I, got to, uh, I still have a place to go. So uh, he gives the innkeeper. He said, you, 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 this responsibility, if you, if you need any more to take care of him, I'll take care of it when I get back. Just making sure the man was taken care of. Well, he didn't know that man. He was a, he was a stranger to him. He didn't know who he was. It wasn't his uh, seemingly natural responsibility to take care of him. Like many times with that, well, it's not my responsibility. He's not kin to me. Well, am I my brother's keeper? Yes, the answer is yes. Well, there's a brotherhood in all of humanity, and yet not everybody's your spiritual brother in the sense of not everybody's saved or born again, but there should be some consideration for all human life, whether they're not saved or saved. Whether they're cruel or not cruel or kind. You know, that we love people, care about people. Well, if you're going to love others, you know, they say that hurt people hurt people. In other words, it's hard for people that are all hurt themselves to love somebody else. If they're suffering themselves where they're not 
feeling good about themselves and they're all bound up with their anger and bitterness, it's hard for them to love somebody else because you got to love yourself. That's why Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself because you can't love others if you don't love yourself. Because if you don't value self, if you don't value yourself, and that is not selfish to love yourself the way Jesus said. So again, we could go to Deuteronomy 6 and verse 5. It says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. So maintaining the love of God for Him, you love Him, but you love others. And you love them as yourself, loving your neighbor as yourself first you value yourself don't you if you don't you should because God valued you what kind of value did he place on you he sent his son to die for you that's pretty amazing value that's a pretty high value that God would love you so much that he would say that he would send his son And have the prophets prophesy again and again. And finally fulfill that in the person of Jesus. Send his son. And then that Jesus would die for you. According to the prophets, Jesus would die. And then he actually fulfilled it and gave his life. That's a pretty high value God has placed on your life. So if God values you, then you should value yourself. And if you value yourself, you speak well of yourself. In other words, you're not demeaning yourself. You don't degrade yourself. Doesn't mean you have to become prideful in that. You just know who you are. You're confident in who you are. You believe in yourself. You believe in yourself because God believes in you. Love believes the best of what? Every person. Its hopes are fadeless under all circumstances. It endures everything without weakening. Love believes in people. So you believe in yourself. You care for yourself. You take care of yourself. You value yourself, your spiritual life. You value your soul, your mind, your emotions. That's why I'm talking to you about weeding out those weeds in your mind, right? You value your own well-being emotionally and mentally. You value your physical body. You take care of your physical body. You only get one of them down here. You're going to get a new one in heaven, but we'd like for you to stay down here longer, right? So you need to take care of the one you have here, right? That's your responsibility. God values it. He even calls your body the temple of God. He calls your body the temple of the Holy Spirit. That's a pretty high value that he would actually come and live inside of you and your spirit and your body would then become his temple. He must value your body and think highly of you. Spirit, soul, and body, every part. So you take care of your body. Well... Then we're going to talk about for a moment, if you're caring for yourself, loving yourself, then you speak for self. In other words, in your relationships, you say how you think about things. What's your perception? How do you feel about certain situations? Now, we all need to put it in line with God's word. Because if we just go by feelings, then obviously our feelings could be way out there somewhere. Way out of the spectrum of God's will and plan. But how you feel, if somebody loves you, they care how you feel. So you need to speak for self and talk up, speak up for yourself. And what's important to you, what's valuable to you, and how you feel about things. Now, if you love yourself, you care for yourself. 
But if you are to love your neighbor as yourself, first you got to love God because that gives you the right perspective. And then you love God. So therefore, he shows you who you are. There are 130 verses of Scripture, at least in the New Testament, that tell you who you are in Christ. God's not demeaning you. He's not degrading you. He's building you up. He's edifying you. He's telling you who you are in Christ Jesus over and over again. So it must be important to him that you have a good self-image and see yourself the way God sees you. Well, then on top of that, he also tells them, if they're believers, who they are in Christ. And he defines who they are. And so easily we define other people by their behavior and the way they behaved in the last 30 minutes. And, and, and we define them by that behavior. And that's, well, you say, well, they did that uh, yesterday, too. They did it last week, too. They did it last uh, month as well. You just don't know them like I know them. Well, uh, God knows them, and God still loves them, and God believes in them. Yes, they may have failed, but if we turn the mirror around and put it on us, could anybody identify, perhaps, just perhaps, any fault in your own life? If you can't, then you're not looking squarely in the mirror. Your eyes are like, you know, but you consider yourself. In life, and not, and you don't become so critical of others. I've got some weaknesses. I'm growing. They've got some weaknesses. They're growing. Love believes the best of them and myself. All right. So if you love people, then you're believing the best of them. Are you hearing me today? If you love people, you value their life. You value what's important to them. If you love people, then you're speaking well of them. I grew up in a household. My mother, my father died when I was a child, but my mother never spoke negatively about people. Never. We didn't sit around the dinner table and have people over that weren't there. In other words, we didn't talk about our neighbor. We didn't talk about people. We didn't, it was not our manner of life. My mother never was negative about people. So much so that one time when she was living here in Vegas and, and uh, uh, she was talking to a lady and this lady could like really, really talk. And the most negative thing I've ever heard my mother say was, that really, that woman really can talk. And that was kind of cute because she never said it. She really can talk. Well, that was about the extreme of her negativity. Man, that affects you as a child. That affects you in a positive way. In other words, you don't spend all your time being negative about other people, talking about people, talking about their faults. What? Did you see? Did you hear? Did you know? Like, I didn't hear, I didn't see, and I don't want to know. Now, understand. As a pastor, I have to deal with a lot of issues in people's lives. So I hear a lot of stuff, and I deal with a lot of stuff, but I do not view you by your stuff. In other words, that's not the only thing I see about you. I see beyond your mess. I see beyond your, your faults, your issues, and the things you're going through. The things that you're dealing with are probably, in some cases, not dealing with very appropriately. I do know that there is a God, and I'm not him, so I'm not the judge, but I am the carrier of his love. 
And so I'm going to love you and believe in you. And love believes the best of you. So I'm going to believe in you when you don't behave at your best or your highest level. And I deal with people at their worst sometimes. I mean, you know, they're bringing their stuff. And and they're saying, this is what's going on in my life. And I don't know what to do. And there is a God. And I'm not him. And God is well able. And the Holy Spirit is able to strengthen you. The Holy Spirit is able to help you and to cause you to overcome this situation in your life. Whatever you're dealing with in life, God is a good, good God. And God believes in you. So love God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. If you were at your lowest point, how would you want somebody to treat you? You would want them to believe in you and love you and care for you and strengthen you and help you through whatever you're dealing with. Can somebody say amen? Thank you for joining us at Word of Life Christian Center, where we seek to move upward in prayer and worship, inward in discipleship, and outward in evangelism. We are so excited that you decided to connect with what God is doing here. And if you want to learn more, go to wordoflifelv.com.